Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome to Own the Microphone. Join me, Bridget McGowan, an award-winning international professional speaker and owner of the independent publishing company, BMAC Talks Press. Hello, everybody, and welcome to today's episode of Own the Microphone. I am Bridget McGowan, and I have with me today Lisa Askew. Lisa, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me, Bridget. I'm excited to be on the microphone. I'm really excited because this is the per- the first time I have had a guest on the show that is so aligned with me when it comes to the professional world prior to me being a professional speaker. So I don't know if listeners know this, but when I was in college, I had dreams of being an anchor. I was going to get on that television and hang out with you from about 6 p.m. until 7 p.m. reading from a teleprompter. I wanted to be an anchor. And you and I were talking about that before we started the episode today. You come from that world. You went much, much further than I did. I never got into television I just thought about it and finished my degree in broadcast communication. So tell us a little bit about your background in the television world, where you are now, and how it connects to professional speaking. Oh, my gosh. Well, I tell you, um, you know, virtual hugs to you, my fellow broadcast journalism aspiring sister, right? Uh, It definitely is a special bond, even if you, to your point, didn't actually get on that um, teleprompter, the, the just the whole spirit of it, right? Um, I love to say to people that the media are truly the unsung heroes of the world because anytime there's a tragedy while you're at home trying to look for the updates, somebody in the media is out there. It could be a weather situation. It could be um, something as tragic as 9-11 and the media has to report and has that responsibility to make sure people know. So yeah, that's how I started my career. I worked um, for a CBS affiliate uh, locally where I live in Jacksonville, Florida for several years. And it was probably one of the most character building experiences for me. I learned a lot about just resistance and how to overcome things as well as when not to speak, right? And I think that that sometimes is the most important thing when it comes to public speaking. And sometimes you don't need to talk, you just need to listen. And that was a great skill Um, because of just the level of stress and then just the economic constraints of the profession. I transitioned into the finance industry and I worked in um, mortgages for a while with um, several big companies Um, And being in sales, you're constantly speaking, you're constantly listening, you're constantly connecting with whoever your audience is, whether it's a a specific buyer and your consumer to direct to consumer, or if you're doing business to business, which um, through all the ebbs and flows, uh, that's the industry I'm in right now. I do business to business sales and I sell software. 
But in between that, I was working for a finance company. We had a huge layoff and that's what sprung me out to go ahead and take my career professionally and professional speaking. And I didn't even realize how much is out there. You know, there are I mean, hundreds of thousands of organizations that need professional speakers. And it is such an amazing, it's a rewarding field to be in. So I have to commend you, Bridget, for even having this platform to alert people of the opportunities out there. And if that's a passion of yours and you're listening to this, do not allow another day to go by without you seeking out your dreams to become a professional speaker because it's so attainable. Yes, it is one of the few professions that has something of a low bar of entry, however, a high bar of expectations. So you don't have to have all of this education and experience and certifications to become a professional speaker, but in order to continue to be one that is highly sought after, you have to raise that bar for yourself and get on that stage and kill it. Now, you said something really interesting that is kind of counter to what people think is a hallmark of great speaking, and that is silence. Silence is okay. Silence can actually be golden. Talk to us a little bit more about that silence aspect of great speaking. Absolutely. I say, you know, I, the brain works in a way in in waves. And when you are talking and talking and talking, people can't digest what you're saying. So as a speaker, I feel like the most powerful moments I've had, and it may not be anything super profound that I'm saying, but when I take a moment and just pause, it's like people marinate on that thought. They're captivated and maybe they're looking like, oh, did she forget what she's going to say? And then that's why they're staring at you. Whatever the case is, having those pauses are truly powerful and it really helps people to become in alignment with you, especially if you're speaking to a crowd that is really diverse, or it could be uh, diverse in the sense of different from what your experience is. One of my most difficult speaking engagements, I had to speak to a group of mothers on Mother's Day that lost their child to uh, gun violence. And I remember when the woman who hired me to do it, I said, I really appreciate you thinking of me, but I don't think I can do this, right? I don't I don't think I have the ability. And she said, you do. She's like, I would not I would be hiring you if I didn't. She heard me speak at another engagement that was way more upbeat and said that she really wanted me to be her keynote speaker. So I said, you know what? I'm gonna rise to the occasion. And Bridget, the one thing that pulled me through that speech were the pauses. Right, taking a moment and saying, listen, I'm not going to sit here and begin to act like I know exactly what you're feeling, but I want to tell you, I'm sitting next to you. I'm empathizing with you. And having those pauses, the women in that building felt like I was genuine. And although I had not experienced the exact same thing, we were able to relate because I allowed the pauses to bond us, to allow them to say, hey, it's okay. It's a safe space. I'm not trying to tell you how to grieve or how you need to move forward. I'm just want to let you know we're here. And that's true empathic speaking. And I think that the most powerful speakers are those where you can truly feel like, I don't care what it is your experience. You can hear me. You can feel me and you can see me. 
Everybody in real talk, real talk, uh, what other experts won't tell you about how to make presentations that sizzle, the second edition. I give you at least seven, possibly eight ways to use pauses or the different types of pauses to use in your presentations. Uh, go get the book, check it out, dog ear those pages. Seven, eight, maybe even nine, I'm sitting here thinking, nine different pauses. It's huge. Trust me, it's huge. Lisa Askew has spent seven years, or not seven years, but she spent 17 years in sales and corporate leadership. She has a bounty of life experience. And there are three big things that she's discovered that are her passions. One is supreme accountability. Two is cultural competency. And three is lemons. Third one's going to be really <laughs> interesting. So she believes that supreme accountability is the gateway to living your best life, your most successful life, and your most powerful life. With cultural competency, you see Lisa is half Korean and half African-American. She was born in Wichita, Kansas. She grew <laughs> up in Okinawa, Japan, and then she moved to the inner city of Jacksonville, Florida. So as you can see, she's experienced life from many different angles, and she has a deep understanding of a wide array of socioeconomic statuses, as well as diverse cultural stances. And then lemons. She says, you know, lemons tend to get a bad rap. We tend to focus a lot on their sourness. And for the most part, we tend to find that taste unpleasant. But she gives lemons a whole different level of respect so you really have to go and check out her book and get a copy, get one for yourself and for a friend. When Life Gives You Lemons, Stop Making Lemonade. So check that out on Amazon and I'll make sure you have the information in the speaker notes as well. So in addition to being a speaker, Lisa is also a coach. She's spoken at a wide variety of events all over the country. She's transformed audiences as a keynote speaker, as a panelist, as a facilitator, an MC, and as a presenter. And she tends to specialize in motivational, professional, educational, and mental health topics. Of course, she focuses on when life gives you lemons, overcoming the sour points in your life. But then she has a number of other topics that really are passions for her, both in her speaking and in her coaching. So make sure you check out Lisa's website, lisaaskew.com. Go check out her book. Don't just check it out. Go buy it. Okay. <laughs> and check the show notes for all of that information. Lisa, have you always been confident on the microphone? You know, Bridget, I have not. I tell you, just like everyone else, I get nervous. I am worried that I was speaking over my words. And what really brought it ahead for me was, in my financial services career, I applied for several promotions that I thought, man, I should truly nail this. I have the experience. I've been in it. And I got passed over one time. And the painful part is they hired someone external. And then who do they ask to train the person? Ah, yours truly. So that happened. Well, that person leaves. So the job comes up. I apply again. And then I get passed over for someone else internally. And I was like, wow, I, but I, you know what, I'm going to go ahead and just 
continue to power through. Then the, another position came open. I applied for it, went through four different um, interviews with executive panels. And then I was the last candidate out of, there was like 48 candidates. And then they decided to repost the job and I did not get the job. And when I asked for feedback, I said, you know, I don't understand. Um, I really have been such a team player. I've dedicated my time here. I've led other, so many teams. So trying to hit that executive level, why are you all not, what, what's wrong? And they said, you know, we think you're just too nice. You're just so friendly. You're too bubbly. And we don't think you have the ability to have crucial conversations with people. We don't think you have the ability to be stern or to fire someone or to let someone go. And it was at that moment that I realized, wow, I have a blind side, you know, just because I felt like everyone liked me, they did not have the confidence in me. And that came across by my communication, my delivery. And so it was that moment I actually joined Toastmasters, which I think if anyone is really nervous, it's a great organization. There's tons of different speaking organizations. I love Toastmasters because if you have a really good club, it is very accessible. And then just the experiences you can have, you learn so much. And I feel like as a speaker, I learn the most listening to other speakers, watching other people speak. I love to watch com comedians because I think that their cadence is just powerful. But that's when I realized I do have, I, I mean, I was inadequate in some part. So I joined that and I learned to have more crucial conversations. I learned to transform my unicorn, sparkly, happy uh, persona to a stallion. Like I am about the business. I can tell you what I need to tell you and I can be fair. I can be firm, but at the same time, fun. So learning how to be authentically you, but presenting yourself the way you need to uh, is definitely something that helped me get over my nerves. And so when I do get on stage and I feel nervous, I just take a deep breath and I say, you know, every person in this audience puts their pants on one leg at a time like I do. And it's all good. And if you you mess up, then you just continue to go and talk, right? People won't know. Most of the time, unless you bring the mistake to light, individuals don't even know you skipped a whole section of your notes or, man, I really meant to say this, or I double spoke this. You just keep going. And that's why the connection and the pauses are so important because pauses not only help your an audience connect with you, but it helps yourself connect with your thoughts. It allows you to slow down so you can speed up, right? Your words and your brain becoming in sync. Mm. That is powerful advice, super powerful advice. In a little bit, you'll have an opportunity to ask me a question, Lisa. For now, I want to know, what is your favorite topic to speak on or your favorite presentation to deliver? My favorite topic to speak on, I would say is just, account supreme accountability like really learning how to look inside i say anything going on in your life it's because of you either a thought um, an association you have uh, things that you're engaging in all the things that are happening to you majority of the time are because of something that you're doing with um, an exception to natural disasters obviously but if you, you know, you're, when it comes to finances, toxic relationships, uh, your work environment, anything, if you are not aware and taking accountability of where you are, then you're really going to be your biggest hindrance for growth in life. So I'd love to talk about that. And I know, and thank you, Bridget, for mentioning the book. 
um, when life gives you lemons, stop making lemonades. And I shared that one example of my career and it was example after example. And I had to realize that at the end of the day, if you do not like what you're seeing, I mean, just like Netflix, right? If you're watching a movie, you're not going to sit there and say, this is awful. This is awful. And watch it to the end. You're like, next, I'm going to the next thing. And it's the same thing with your life. And that's what supreme accountability is. If there is something that's making you unhappy, you can't blame anyone else but yourself. And if that requires you to have a plan to move yourself out of the situation, to find a new job, to gain a new skill, to set boundaries with people, to stop being a people pleaser, to stop being a control freak, whatever it is, chances are most of the things that happen to us is because of a behavior we have, a skill that we're lacking, or a boundary that we do not set properly for others. People can't read your mind. So when you don't like the way someone's treating you, you've trained them to treat you like that. So you have to retrain people. And that's what I love to talk about, empowering others and telling them, listen, no one's coming for you. It is on you. If you want things to be different, you have to start within yourself and say, first of all, what is it that I want in my life? And then from there, you start doing the hard work to get there. And that's what I love to talk to people about. And I feel like it's a universal message because it doesn't matter who you are, where you are social economically. I tell people, I have seen it all. I have seen it all. I grew up in what some people would call the hood and I've seen poverty firsthand. I have so many family members that stay in a impoverished mentality. And at the same time, I've been in the most multi-billion dollar places and homes. I worked high net work clients where my minimum liquid asset you had to have was $15 million for me to even talk to you. So when I tell you I've seen all sides of it and the common denominator is if you're not taking supreme accountability for yourself, then that's why you are where you are. So I love to talk about that. And I love to empower others with making sure they can do it, whatever they want to do, but it starts with you. Ooh, I like that. I like sign me up for your <laughs> next, <laughs> for your next engagement on supreme accountability. What is your question for me, Lisa? You know, I love to ask individuals, do you love to win or hate to lose? Which one do you adore the most and why? Do you love to win or do you hate to lose? And I why? love to learn. I love to learn. So doesn't matter if I win. It doesn't matter if I lose. I like to tell people when you see professional speakers posting on social media about all of their wins, but never about the losses, that win, that one win was probably one on the shoulders of 50, 100, 200 losses. My husband and I have a nine-year-old son who plays baseball, football, and occasionally basketball. And he is flying high when any of his teams win. Mm -hmm. But he is at the lowest of the low when they lose. And this happened just recently. Last Friday night, he played a team, the Pirates. It was a tough one. His team lost. It was 11 to 4. It was tough. And, you know, his team felt like, oh, the other team played so much better. I mean, they were just nearly perfect. I said, listen, the perfection you see in public is the result of a lot of practice in private. So when we try to get you to practice, I don't want to hear moaning and groaning. 
Because mm. if you lose, I don't want to hear the moaning and groaning. So it's not for me so much about winning or losing, but learning in either scenario. I, I like it. to learn. So watching that other team, watching other speakers, watching myself after an engagement, looking back at something that maybe I didn't win that I thought I would and figuring out what could I have done differently. That's what I like to do, Lisa. I love that, Bridget. And that's so powerful, even with your son. And that's why I love um, for kids to be involved with those type of team sports because you learn those lessons and you learn to be resilient and you learn that there are no losses. Everything's a lesson, right? If there's something they could have done differently, should we practice more? And like you said, you love to learn. That was the first time someone's ever answered a question like that. And I thought, I think that's powerful. And I love how you spun that because there is not a win or a lose. It's, it's a learn. It's definitely a learn. I've never been a competitive person. I truly don't. Should I say I don't get it? I don't know. Uh, you know, I, um, yeah, it, you know, competing does nothing for me. Uh, wins are good, but, you know, okay, well, whatever. That means it was meant for you. Yeah. <laughs> right? Uh, yeah, I remember, not that this is a good example, but I remember one time when I was working for a company and a colleague and I were uh, both in our individual cars. We were leaving. We met up for breakfast and we were going to see a client together. He was in his car. I'm in my car. And he says, I bet I'll get, I'll beat you there. Oh, okay. <laughs> I really don't care. That's so funny. I really don't care. I mean, the meeting doesn't start for another 30 minutes. It's a 10 minute drive around the corner. I mean, I, I'll see you in the parking lot. I don't care. You're like, I'm going to go to Starbucks first. So I'll see you when I get, when you get there. <laughs> hey, I'm going to go get myself a post-breakfast snack. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> no, that that's so true because some people take competition to the, you know, farthest degree. And hey, if that's what motivates you, I'm a lot like you. I'm not very competitive because I feel like there's room for growth and there's room at the top for everyone. Yeah. And, and sometimes super competitive people also have envy. And I think envy is one of those very dangerous emotions. A little, a little bit of envy can be healthy, right? Cause maybe it motivates you, but if it gets to the point when you're coveting and lusting or like being so um, obsessed with winning, then yeah, it could really be dangerous. It's straining to me. It seems like it, you know, you're, I don't, it just seems like it takes a ton of energy. It just, Oh my goodness. It just exhausts me <laughs> thinking about it and watching other people clamoring and fighting and clawing. Oh, exactly. <laughs> nothing sexy about it to me. <laughs> Let's just get along, right? Let's all be. <laughs> oh my goodness. Lisa asked you, you've been awesome. What else do listeners need to know about how to own the microphone? You know, I have this um, seven point um, acronym that I love to give when I'm talking to speakers who are emerging and I'll make sure that I get it over to you Bridget so you can put it in the speaker notes but um, it's the acronym speaker right so you want to be a speaker what are the seven most important points to become a speaker and the first one the s is for storytelling right you want to craft very engaging narratives things that are everyday like since we've been on here even you telling the story about you and your coworker, it's like that's storytelling. And it was so engaging and we could relate. Um, for the P, we talked about the pauses and it sounds like, and I'll definitely have to get your book as well. 
to really lurk on those pauses, using strategic silent breaks to connect with your audience and also giving yourself time as a speaker to reset your thought as well. The E in speaker is for emotion. You really need to connect through feelings. You need to connect through just true empathic type of moments uh, because that's the thing that no one can teach you as a speaker. You really have to learn that. The A is for analogies, right? Making complex ideas relatable, um, giving things. We talked about the whole media stuff. And I remember before we started the show, you were telling me about the weather situation and just things that you can really make relatable. K is for key points. Love the rule of three, right? If you can have three key points, especially for a quick keynote, people will remember that and not rambling on and on because the, the last thing people want to do is leave somewhere and feel like they didn't get any value out of what you were saying. But if you have three key points, they can walk away and say, I learned X, Y, Z, and I feel like I've really spent my time wisely. Um, e is for engagement, right? Involve your audience as most, much as possible. I'm a big, let's get on our feet. Let's clap our hands. Let's snap. I really love to engage people. And some speakers feel like it's catchy or it's gimmicky, but it works for me. And I know being an audience person, if someone's getting me up, I'm stretching, I'm moving, it really helps my blood flow. And I feel so, I remember that because people remember how you made them feel. And if they felt that energy, you're going to be a phenomenal speaker. And then the last thing in the word speaker is R, and that's for rhetorical devices. Use powerful language, literations. Um, I know you had Derek on your show and he has a book called Say It Well. And that book really talks about that. And I'm having the different analogies. I love a good acronym, but you, having rhetorical devices also as a speaker helps you remember things that you're saying so you don't get caught in like, what was I gonna say? Because another thing, you really don't need to have notes, right? As much as you can, you need to be speaking from your heart and the rhetorical devices help me to remember as well as the three points. So that's my, um, the, my takeaway for all the aspiring speakers and current speakers is you wanna be a speaker and make sure you do those seven points. Storytelling, pauses, emotions, analogies, key points, engagement, and rhetorical devices. I love that. That <laughs> is fantastic. I even jotted them down. I am going to repeat those again and make sure I credit Lisa, ask you for them. Lisa, thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you so much for having me, Bridget. And thank you again for creating this space. You are truly a game changer and making a platform for everyone to follow their dreams. Oh, thank you, thank you, thank you. And to the listeners, thank you for tuning in to the show. I am Bridget McGowan. Until next time, make sure you always own the microphone. Mm -hmm.